And welcome to another episode of Electrify This, a podcast focused on electrification as a primary pathway to decarbonize and revitalize our economy. Each month, I connect with experts to explore the policy and market issues underpinning the shift to electrified transportation, buildings, and industry. I'm your host, Sarah Baldwin, Senior Director of Electrification with Energy Innovation. Today's episode, Billions in New DOE Home Energy Retrofit Programs and Workforce Funding, What States Need to Know. Welcome back, everyone. It is great to be here with you today. And for those who might have missed it, August 16th marked the one-year anniversary of President Joe Biden's signing of the Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA, or IRA. This landmark law includes nearly $400 billion to support clean energy and address climate change through a myriad of programs, including $8.8 billion in rebates for home energy efficiency and electrification projects, as well as a $200 million program for state-based home energy efficiency contractor training grants. So states can train, test, and certify residential efficiency and electrification contractors and support the workforce to ensuring success with these rebate programs. But as with any big policy, it takes some time to get things geared up for implementation. Fortunately, for those eager to take advantage of new incentives and funding and workforce opportunities, that time is now. We're seeing the gears in motion. These two programs, among others in the IRA, are being administered and overseen by the U.S. Department of Energy, or DOE. Under the leadership of Secretary Jennifer Granholm, the DOE has been working hard and very fast to design and implement the myriad grant and funding programs aiming to get this money out the door and into the hands of state agencies, tribal governments, and ultimately, individuals, households, and businesses. For folks who may want a refresher on these programs, I encourage you to tune into prior episodes of the pod to learn a little bit more. But today, I'm pleased to be joined by two representatives from the DOE who will be providing information and details on these two respective programs, the Home Electrification and Efficiency Rebate Programs and the Contractor Training Grants. They're going to help us better understand the ins and outs of the programs and what states and other entities need to know to benefit from the funding coming down the pike and what elements are going to be key to ensuring success. So first with us today, we have Karen Zelmar. She's a program manager in the DOE's Office of State and Community Energy Programs, where she leads the Home Energy Rebate Programs, uh, authorized by the Inflation Reduction Act. Karen also has worked as a Senior Vice President of Network Planning at Volta Charging, Director of Clean Energy Programs at Pacific Gas and Electric, and various leadership positions at technology providers, including AOL and Navtech. So Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. And next, we have Mary McPherson a program manager also in the DOE's Office of State and Community Energy Programs, where she manages several energy efficiency and workforce development programs for states, nonprofits, and institutions of higher education and their partners. Previously, Mary worked at the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, or ACEEE, where she did research and technical assistance on inclusive workforce development programs, rural energy efficiency, and state efficiency policies. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks, Sarah. Excited to be here. Well, thank you both for taking time out of your very busy days to be with me today. I know there's a lot going on right now, so uh, having your time today is, is very generous and we appreciate it. Uh, and I'm excited to get started. Um, Karen, I'm going to start with you uh, and have you just tell us a little bit more about the IRA's home energy rebate programs, um, what they do and how you all see them helping the average U.S. household. 
Thanks, Sarah. Uh, the IRA was passed to overall lower energy costs and drive the clean energy economy forward. And so as part of that, the, the rebate programs actually is a combination of two separate programs that are focused on improving overall efficiency of homes on one program and electrifying the appliances and other home technologies for the second program. Uh, each one has been allocated approximately $4.5 billion, which is then allocated to all of the states. And so right now where we are in the process is uh, that the states are preparing their applications for writing these programs. Um, the first program, which is the Whole Home Efficiency Program, is designed to look at the overall savings in a home. So the way the rebate is will work is that if a home can lower their energy use by 20%, the, the homeowner will receive a, a, a certain size rebate. And if they can lower their energy use by up to 35%, they will receive even a larger rebate. And that program does not specify what has to happen in the home. So a lot of it will likely be focused on the envelope of it, the, the ceiling, the windows, um, the, the different things that really control how much energy is leaking out of the house um, that needs to get fixed. Uh, the second program, the electrification program is focused on specific appliances. So this is where there is a rebate specifically for heat pumps or water hot water heater heat pumps or um, the load source in the home, which is the energy panel. There's a lot of innovation happening around the energy panels in homes. Uh, so we're expecting that sometimes uh, states will combine these programs together. So a home could, for example, address both the envelope and then install a heat pump once it's more efficient um, and or they can, you know, target the, the program separately, uh, depending on the needs of, of every individual state. That's great. Uh, I already have so many follow-up questions to what you've shared, but that's a really helpful overview. Uh, on the first one that you mentioned, the kind of the whole home renovation in order to achieve energy savings, uh, certain measured uh, or modeled energy savings, mm -hmm. have you all determined how those modeled or measured energy savings are going to be documented, reported, and sort of certified in order to get to qualify for that, uh, for those rebates? Yes. Uh, we just released uh, a significant amount of guidance for how the programs should work. And in specifically for the whole home efficiency in, in the original statute uh, that, that uh, was in the Inflation Reduction Act, they specify how the, the different types of measurements work. Um, there's software that's usually available on the modeled side uh, that that there is a process that we have to authorize the software package just to make sure that it it runs as expected. But there's some standard software packages out there for the modeled approach and for the measured approach. Again, there's a there's a a, a lot of of best practice information available, and our guidelines point to how we expect those measurements to be run verified, um, evaluated to make sure they're accurate, uh, to make sure that homeowners are protected throughout the process. That's great and very helpful. So it sounds to me like the guidance you all have put out on these programs are really critical to uh, understanding how they're going to work and their um, requirements, but also it sounds to me like the contractors that will be doing this work are going to be kind of on on the hook for ensuring that the measured and modeled savings are delivered via the software and via the um, any other requirements is that pretty accurate that's a great summary yes uh, you know we've given out to the states 
the various uh, program design elements that we expect of them to make sure that the contractors know what they're supposed to do, how to do it well, to make sure the consumers are very well informed about what is happening. Um, one of the dangers of uh, some of the technologies that are out there right now, especially with heat pumps, is that if you don't measure things correctly, uh, at the end of the day, the, you install a more efficient technology, but the energy bill can go up because of uh, the changes to how the home works. Sometimes you're switching from providing a heat source from gas and moving it to electric. Um, and, and depending on fuel prices in that particular state, energy bills can go up. And that's something that we're very, very focused on making sure that that doesn't happen and that consumers are very well informed. And that's going to be tied to how contractors are educated, um, trained, um, which is going to lead very directly to some of the, the, the uh, commentary you're going to hear from Mary about how we're going to make sure this is done really well um, for consumers in the industry. Yes, absolutely. Much to discuss uh, as part of the show and the kind of the workforce piece, the contractor piece. It's come up on nearly every episode of Electrify This because it is such an integral component to what we're uh, talking about and what we're trying to accomplish writ large with electrification. So uh, I'm excited to dig in with you more, Mary. Um, but before we do, let's uh, dig in a little bit more on the rebate programs themselves. Um, so you mentioned the state energy offices are going to be or are now in the process of uh, submitting applications to receive funding. So tell us a little bit more about where things sit with that and when you expect funds to be allocated for distribution. Right. So our guidance was released uh, at the end of July, and it was almost 100 pages long. So it's going to take a little bit of time for the states to uh, digest the guidance and, and determine their strategies. Um, every state has different uh, situations in terms of existing programs that are already running in the state. Um, and then also the, the, the weather, um, the climate zones that the states are in, the, the type of housing stock they have, so many things that go into the, what's gonna make the right program for, for each state. So right now they're in the process of, of digesting. Um, many of them will be hiring experienced implementers who are used to running these programs um, and, and building their plans. My expectation is that uh, we hope to get a few applications by the end of the year this year. Uh, probably more likely the, the vast majority of them will, will roll in next year. And, that, and then we have to approve their applications. From there, the, the funds start flowing. Um, we understand there is a lot of demand for these programs and these funds, and we are, are moving as quickly as we can. We're going to be providing a lot of assistance to the states um, in terms of, of uh, best practices and, and consulting on strategy and everything that we can do to help them feel confident to get their applications together as quickly as they are able to and then approve them as quickly as we can. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I've definitely already seen you all have moved very fast on all things IRA <laughs> and and bipartisan infrastructure law for that matter. So um, one other quick question, this is a bit more of a, a kind of a minor detail, but I'm curious as somebody who's you know pretty familiar with these programs, are these funds going to be allocated in one sitting or is this going to be sort of an annual re-up process? How are, how are states going to um, need to account for the fact that these are available through 2031? So that's a long mm -hmm. stretch of time. The, when the state submits their application, they are applying for their full allocation of funds. 
but they have to hit certain milestones to have tranches of the funds released. Got it. Uh, a big part of the of the intent of this legislation is to focus on low and moderate income uh, homeowners. And so we have set certain targets for uh, the need to reach those households with these programs and funds. And so we, we've set certain milestones of needing to, you know, have reached a, a proportion of, of that housing group as part of their overall work before we release the next tranche of funds, for example. Uh, so they apply once, but there's still a, a little bit of a staged process for how we release the funds. Great. That's very helpful to know. And in general, what should states be thinking about as they work to submit these applications? I mean, you've mentioned the low to moderate income households, and I know also multifamilies included in, in that as well, which is a whole different uh, ball of wax in terms of strategy and outreach. Uh, but what kind of broad guidance or um, insight can you provide f for states that are working through the guidance and trying to you know, submit a, a solid application for your approval? Uh, that's a great question. I think that uh, there's certainly some overarching um, uh, goals that, that we've set out in uh, our document in terms of what we are trying to achieve overall for uh, the 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 economy the world of energy efficiency and, and so and and on top of that a big focus for us is to lower consumer bills mm -hmm. um, and and the states really need to think about how to make sure that they're targeting the right homes um, to achieve that goal uh, reaching twenty percent energy savings or thirty five percent energy savings in a home is not something that's easily achievable in every home. Uh, out there. And so it, it, the, the design and the targeted targeting of these programs has to be very thoughtful. Um, I also really want to reemphasize the focus on low and moderate income homes. Um, the, the whole home efficiency program, um, uh, half of it at a minimum has to be dedicated to low income homes. And then the, the electrification program, uh, 100% of it is, is for low and moderate income homeowners. And so um, th this is a an under this is a traditionally underserved group. We have a lot of data uh, from existing utility efficiency programs that if there's not a target set, um, these these homes are are tremendously underserved. Mm -hmm. And so we did set a goal that that forty percent of the of the funds need to go to. Um, low-income homes, and then an additional 10% to low-income multifamily homes. Um, and that multifamily carve-out is, is really um, something that, that we were excited to do because that's, it, it, it's, a, it's a difficult group to reach, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're going to be able to target funds there. And so these are the things the states have to think about. It's, it's, it's not just, you know, put out a billboard, come get your rebate. Um, these, are, these are much, much more targeted at the homes that really need it the most. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, it's not going to necessarily be the simple, as you say, you know, put up the billboard or do a TV ad and people come running. There's going to be some groundwork, some community building, some stakeholder engagement. Speaking of which, yes. how can other stakeholders, including NGOs, the private sector utilities, uh, any others really support the implementation of these rebate programs to help all states maximize their effectiveness and uh, help, as you say, reach the people that are in need of uh, lower energy bills and energy savings. 
Yes, and they already are. Uh, we've been working extremely closely, first and foremost with NASIO, which is the National Association of State Energy Officers. Um, they, they've been a, a fantastic partner in, in working and in, in, with the, the state offices, understanding their issues mm -hmm. um, and, and, and understanding how we can best help them. And uh, many, many other stakeholder groups, NASIO has convened. We have, uh, before release of the guidance, we put out an RFI asking the entire stakeholder community what they wanted to see in um, these programs. Um, we got 2,000 pages of responses wow. that we had to process through back in March. Um, we incorporated as much of it as we could in the in the guidance that we delivered, and we want to continue engaging with, with all parts of the industry. Um, we're talking to a lot of different industry organizations trying to make sure that utilities are talking to their state energy offices or you know, private sector um, manufacturers have a way to, to think about how they can, they can work together. That's gonna be a big focus of my team going forward. Um, since we're not actually running the programs, the states are, that gives my team the ability to kind of look across the states and across the programs and see opportunities for collaboration, um, scaling opportunities, um, ways that we can make sure that we're lifting up good best practices that we see in one part of the country and share it with another part of the country. Um, that's going to be a big focus of our team in partnership with NASIO. That's great. And yeah, we'll provide uh, some links to several other things you've mentioned, including the program design details and guidance, and I'll uh, include a link to NASIO as well. Um, I just have one more question for you before we pivot to Mary and talk a bit more about the workforce stuff. Uh, what about states like Florida, whose governor has indicated they do not want to accept these funds? Are there other ways for citizens or nonprofits or uh, others in those states, hopefully it's, it is a small, if not only single state that <laughs> has indicated that. How can they benefit? How can they access these funds? Are they blocked from benefiting from these um, great resources? It's a great question. Um, we are uh, deeply focused on, on, again, lowering consumer bills, and we are very hopeful that states um, see the benefit of, of applying for this money and, and running the programs in their states. This is a workforce development program, and Mary's going to talk about that. This is a this is economic development for their states, and it is a true benefit to their residents. Um, and we are very, you know, it, it that's that's what matters, and, and we really, really hope the states see that. Um, Florida has not yet, they've, they've, they have declined the, the, we had an early release of funds just for administrative costs. We kind of knew the states needed a little bit of money to get started to maybe hire an implementer and build their strategy. That's the funds that Florida has, has um, directly declined. Um, and, and we are hopeful that, that that's it. Um, we, we really want to see everyone participate. Um, the, w the way the legislation is written, the funds have to go to the state energy office. Um, and so, uh, again, we are just continuing to try and speak on programs like this about the, the true benefits across the board of these programs and really, you know, hope to see that the states um, see that and, and want to participate. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks for that, and thank you for the helpful overview. I know there's many more details to go into, but for our sake of time, we'll we'll pivot um, to Mary to have us tell us a little bit more about the state-based home energy efficiency contractor training grants. Uh, tell us what they do and and what's what's in it for the states. 
So the Inflation Reduction Act allocated $200 million for the state-based home energy efficiency contractor training grants. We call it contractor training grants for short because the original name is a bit of a mouthful. But that money will go to state energy offices to train residential energy efficiency and electrification contractors. So that means that states will be training the workers and businesses who are delivering the energy upgrades that Karen's rebate programs will be funding, among other residential energy efficiency and electrification programs. So states will use these funds to train the workers and certify the workers, and we hope they will use them as well to connect the workers and trainees with the DOE-funded home energy rebate programs. Last month in, in July, DOE issued a funding announcement for $150 million of that $200 million for the contractor training grants. And we, in that funding announcement, we, we offer each state, each state the opportunity to apply for a, a predetermined portion of that funding that we allocated through a formula. So those individual state grants range from just under a million to about $12 million. And we are now working with states to answer their questions and help them start working on their applications and develop their workforce development plans so they can access these funds. That's great. Well, I'm certainly thrilled to know that this is moving quickly alongside the rebate programs and that you all um, are able to coordinate efforts so that it doesn't come you know, later after the rebates are out there and then and you look around and go, well, who's going to do the work? <laughs> so that's really Absolutely. excellent. Um, who do you see benefiting most from these training programs? I mean, obviously the workers themselves will get the training and certification, but uh, at the end of the day, what's the broader goal or, and objective of these uh, training grants? The ultimate goal of the training grants is to make sure that homeowners and residents are getting high quality energy efficiency and electrification upgrades. So that means installing a heat pump the way it's supposed to be installed or maybe adding more insulation to a building in the best way possible that will save the most energy and make residents most comfortable. So I think the the sign of a successful workforce development program or contractor training program here is that homeowners are happy and that their energy bills are going down. And um, and also I would say that the workers are are set for career trajectories and energy efficiency. It's it's first about about the quality of the work they do, but also about the satisfaction of the workers themselves and making sure they have opportunities for growth, that they are well paid and that they are fulfilled. Um, because the energy efficiency industry is kind of nebulous and I think a lot of folks who work in that industry don't necessarily see themselves as energy efficiency workers. And so making sure that the folks who are in that industry are fulfilled and are on the right track, I think is a big, a big way we would define success as well. And we really hope the contractor training grants both upskill existing incumbent workers to teach them about new technologies but also bring new folks into the energy efficiency workforce, particularly those from disadvantaged communities. And lastly, we see this program targeting um, contractor firms as well, maybe training them around leadership or business management, financial management, and encouraging entrepreneurship among folks who have not historically owned their own businesses. 
That's great. Yeah, it sounds very comprehensive in scope and certainly much needed. Um, what do states need to be doing? Uh, I mean, you mentioned the process, but in terms of how they should be uh, stepping up to the plate to demonstrate they're ready to spend these dollars and spend them wisely. Yeah, so we, we hope states are starting to work on their applications. The biggest component of their application will be a workforce development plan that includes a residential energy efficiency workforce needs assessment. So we're asking states to tell us to get an understanding of their current residential energy efficiency workforce and also look into the future about what their residential energy efficiency workforce needs are going to be in the next in the years to come, in the next five or 10 years, and think through how these contractor training dollars can help them meet any gaps in that workforce that they anticipate. We also encourage states to, to look for existing training programs. Many states are already doing wonderful training in this space, and we encourage them to channel these funds through existing programs where they're where it makes sense to do so. And, and lastly, I would encourage states to start identifying and engaging key partners. We don't expect state energy offices to do this alone. And I think making sure they're engaging with industry, with nonprofits, with community-based organizations and utilities, among other key partners, will be essential to their success and making sure they're, they're training people for jobs that are most in demand and using the right training strategies to, to reach those folks. Yes, absolutely. And trade schools and community colleges and the institutes of education that are already queuing up the electricians and uh, plumbers out there, uh, they hopefully are also at the table and eager to be engaged. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know that there are other workforce development programs that DOE has, and there are uh, some of them funded through bill, uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, um, and others maybe also through IRA and other policies that have been enacted. Um, can you talk a little bit about the broader ecosystem of workforce programs that DOE has and any resources that folks should be aware of? Absolutely. So our team manages four different energy efficiency workforce development programs. The first and largest is the contractor training grants that we've been talking about. And that's the only one through, funded through the Inflation Reduction Act. The other three are funded through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. And one of those is called the Energy Auditor Training Grants. That is also for state energy offices to train both residential and commercial energy auditors. And the, the third and fourth programs that we manage are each $10 million dollars. One is called the Building Training and Assessment Centers Program, and that money will go to colleges and universities and community colleges to train folks how to do energy assessments in commercial and institutional buildings. The fourth program that's $10 million as well is called the Career Skills Training Program, and through that program, DOE will provide funding to nonprofits that partner with industry and employers and workforce agencies to provide both classroom and on-the-job training to participants. So across those four programs, we'll train people at all career levels to do energy upgrades for in homes and in businesses and in public buildings. 
So we're, we're rolling them out kind of in a phased approach. Um, but I think over the next year, you can expect to see a few new funding announcements for these workforce development programs from DOE. Yeah, that's really exciting. And uh, I admittedly was not aware of all three of those that were in the bill. So that's really helpful to know about. I want to be an energy auditor. I should... <laughs> I should yes, prompt me both. Yeah, I should prompt my uh, my local community college to make sure they get access to that, and I'll take their their course. Yes, <laughs> highly recommend. You know, you're an energy nerd when you want to be an energy auditor. That's like the yeah, penultimate, right? <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Mary, for all that information. That's that's really helpful. Um, I want to open it up and and bring Karen back into to the conversation. So, um, obviously, there's a connection between both of your programs. Um, what does DOE really want states to connect with respect to the contractor training programs and the home energy rebate programs? What are the um, the most obvious areas of synergy that need to be um, in place for them to both be successful simultaneously? And Karen, I'll start with your thoughts. Well, I think the biggest thing to think about is uh, there just aren't enough trained professionals to achieve the goals of, of our respective programs. Um, it, you know, we have these very large uh, climate goals. We have these very large uh, program goals and 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 funding that's been you know uh, given to us by Congress, however you want to authorize by Congress. And uh, yet, there's not enough trained professionals to deliver what we need to deliver. This is a, a great opportunity to really inject uh, local knowledge experience uh workforce again workforce development into the community and i think the to me the benefit of of tying these programs together you want to develop workforce for a, a, a job on the ground and so our, our programs pair so well together because we're creating the demand uh with what we're developing and then we know there's a need for supply uh so i think they, they just pair well together and even in the in the the way the legislation was designed, these three these three programs were written. They're they're together in the in the statute. They go right in order, um, and so that's what was being thought about all along. I believe. Great, yeah, definitely. Mary? To to put a point on on what Karen said, we hope states will train folks to do home energy upgrades and then place them on projects that are funded by the DOE rebate programs. This could be while a person is still undergoing the contractor training grant training, whether through mentorship or on-the-job training, or it could be after a person graduates from the training program by placing them with companies who are delivering the DOE-funded rebate measures. So I think there's really an opportunity throughout the workforce development program timeline to be connecting the these trainees with the home energy rebate programs. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also tax incentives and tax credits for broader efficiency measures as well as distributed resources. And so there's a whole uh, separate um, engine, if you will, of incentives that are going to drive demand for these careers and professions. And so that's a really exciting uh, opportunity. And the fact that we have them for 10 years is pretty unprecedented. And there's uh, a lot of certainty and predictability in that 10-year timeline that hasn't been here um, to date, so that's that's really cool. Um, you know, obviously, this program is focused on electrification. You've touched on the fact that uh, these rebates are targeting electrification 
broadly in addition to efficiency measures, but what do you see both of these programs really meaning for electrification in the U.S.? Um, and Karen, I'll get your thoughts. I think this program is a is you know the the specifically the the home electrification program is is clearly targeted in this direction, and I think it's a it's a big move forward. Uh, that said, not every home is ready to move to, you know to the most efficient electrification technology. Uh, so I think it's important that the states are able to design the program that they need for their specific situations. Um, I think that that we um, we definitely want to move a lot of the housing stock toward electrification. Doesn't make sense every moment of every time today. I think that's why it's important on our side. Um, we've really thought a lot about uh, envelope first uh, before directly going to electrification. Electrification needs to be done intelligently, smartly, uh, not sort of blindly. Uh, and I think that the, the this, these programs enable that kind of thoughtful electrification to happen, and I think that's the most important kind. Absolutely. Mary, anything to add there? Yeah, the contractor training program, we hope, will ensure the availability of qualified workers to deliver these electrification and efficiency projects over the next 10-plus years. And so this will mean higher quality installations, shorter wait times for homeowners who want to pursue these projects, and ultimately more comfortable homes with lower energy bills. So I'm really excited that that this contractor training program and the DOE-funded rebates will really build on the existing momentum that we're seeing in the industry towards electrification and towards energy-efficient electrification. Absolutely. Um, I have something to add. I would oh, say I heard an anecdote yesterday uh, about a state program. I'm not going to name the state, uh, but someone was trying to get a heat pump installed. And uh, the, a lot of programs, including ours, require kind of an authorized contractor list. Mm -hmm. And for the entire state, there there was a very, very short list. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the kind of problem that I think we really want to help address not just in a one-time sort of way, but in a long-term sustainable sort of way. Um, and I think that our programs are really going to help move the needle in that direction. Yeah, and it'll go beyond the certified contractors available. It'll go deeper into the distributors and what's on the truck and what's ready to be installed when there isn't a you know more time-sensitive replacement in order. So um, I, I'm confident there will be a really positive ripple effect there. Um, I should also know this is more of a my own anecdote from my own experience installing an um, electric water heater heat pump recently. Um, I did go through a couple of contractors and to no avail. They they basically said, I don't know how to do this or I don't have one. Uh, and I ended up going through Home Depot and it was so fast, so prompt. They connected me with a very qualified installer. They took the old one out, replaced it, and it's been working really great. And they even were ready to provide me with a qualified electrician to do the electrical. It was just like soup to nuts. They had it dialed. So flagging that for you all to engage with the the big guys because they definitely have thought through some of this stuff um, already in some of the places where they're seeing that demand crop up. So that's exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah, great to hear. Um, now, of course, that was a positive story. What are some of the challenges you guys are anticipating as these programs get rolled out? I'm sure you're thinking of as many of them as you can but what are some of the big ones that are sort of looming in your minds? Um, Mary, I'll start with you. 
Yeah, I think the, the first challenge that comes to my mind is that training takes time. It'll take months, if not years, to make sure folks, and even just one individual, has the skills they need to deliver these technologies. But states need these workers ASAP, both for the rebate programs and many of the other DOE-funded or even state and utility-funded programs that are already active. And so, um, and I, we also, it'll, it'll take training from states for those contracting firms to understand how to deliver the DOE-funded rebate programs. And so making sure that we're not only giving those workers the technical skills they need, but also the program delivery administrative skills they need will be key. And I think making sure we're connecting folks with on-the-job learning opportunities and internships so we can get these folks into the workforce sooner rather than later, even as they're continuing to learn, obviously with supervision from folks who are already qualified to deliver these technologies. Yeah, really good, really good points. Um, Karen, how about you? Our short-term challenge is getting these programs applied for and approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just know there's a lot of, of uh, pent-up demand out in the marketplace and we know it and we hear it and we feel it. And uh, yet we want to make sure these programs are designed thoughtfully without uh, waste, fraud, and abuse with good consumer protections. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so critical that it's done well. And sometimes that does take a little more time. Uh, but I think we'll all benefit from the time investment. The downside is is the waiting. Um, and so uh, we're very sensitive to that. Um, I think another challenge is is going to be to reach our targeted audiences. I think truly re- having 50% of these funds Go at minimum, um, the states can go higher uh, to reach low and moderate income and multifamily housing. Uh, there's a reason why they're underserved. Uh, it's it's harder than than the average home, and yet it's the homes that that really need it the most. Um, so I'd say those are two areas that we're going to be very very focused on helping to make successful. That's great. One and- other challenge I'll flag is that. State energy offices are swamped right now. Uh, they vary in size from from a handful of staff members to dozens of staff members, and there's no there's no one right approach to running a state energy office or any of these specific DOE programs. But you know, with the passage of the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act, DOE and other agencies are opening up many new programs for states all at once, mm-hmm. and so. DOE is really thinking through how we can support states in applying for these these programs, whether through technical assistance materials or bringing folks together for conversations, which we work closely with NASIO to do. Um, but states are busy, and we we recognize that, and we're we're trying to get these funds out the door ASAP while also being respectful of those those capacity and time constraints. And so we're we're trying to take states feedback into account in designing our program timelines and um, being responsive to the questions they have and the materials they need to succeed. Well, really important, and I'm I'm grateful you all are thinking about those challenges because they are very real um, and they are pervasive at this point in time for not just state energy offices but state regulators and utilities. Everyone seems to be, uh, yeah overwhelmed in a good way, <laughs> hopefully, um, but there's a lot coming down the pike. Um, on that point, and and just to kind of give any listeners who might be 
with a state agency wanting to know more, where do they go? Uh, what does it look like, to, that technical support and assistance? Do they call you? Do they email you? Do they reach out through a certain... Uh, obviously, the application process is the means through which they'll connect, but is there a network that they should be synced in with um, or something of, of similar nature? I'm happy to chime in on that. We have had a few webinars with the National Association of State Energy Officials, NASIO, through which we've gotten really helpful feedback from state energy offices about questions they have or concerns they anticipate with their applications. And so that gives us a really great insight on, on where, where a number of states are struggling or maybe even where just where a handful of states are, are, are needing support. But we also have each of our teams has a, a shared email account that we, we post to the public and we solicit questions through. The, the workforce team one is EE workforce programs at hq.doe.gov. And we work to answer questions from states and others through that e- inbox. And then we post those answers on our website and also send them directly to states. I feel like the, our answers to those questions are not always as timely as we want them to be because they require internal approvals. But we're, we're working to be as responsive as we can, both through one-on-one communication and through webinars. Awesome. We'll put that email in the show notes so folks can Great. grab it. I think our story is, is fairly similar. We're in the process right now of trying to gather from the states what is the help that would be most helpful uh, <laughs> because there's a lot of directions that we could go and and our team is is fairly small. And so we want to make sure that the, is it, you know, sample application answers is one direction we're going with the states um, versus holding a webinar and, and or is it, I have one um, state office, I loved it. She suggested a, a book club where everybody has to read one of our guidance documents beforehand, and then we can all get together and discuss it in a kind of peer-to-peer sort of way. Um, I love that suggestion. And so uh, we're, we're really trying to work, and also with NASIO, to, to gather from the states what is the help that will be most helpful. Uh, and then we're building our, our strategies from there. Um, from an intake uh, perspective, um, I, I think uh, just... Due to the size of our program, we are we are we are getting a lot of questions, um, and and responding in a timely way is similarly a challenge for us right now. Um, what we have is a, a, a there's a form on our website, um, and there's also an email which is IRA Home Rebates at hq.boe.gov, um, and anyone who signs up for that will get most likely a biweekly update of have we recently revised our FAQs based on some of the questions that have come in, we're, we're always looking to make sure we have uh, the, the website up to date with the latest information, even if we can't individually respond to every inquiry that comes in. We're getting a lot of inquiries from homeowners about how the program's going to work in Ohio or mm-hmm. Iowa or California. And unfortunately, we don't know yet. And we want to point them to the state office, but, but they're still working on their plans. Um, and so for us, uh, uh, you know, pushing questions to us in these more public forums actually allows us to kind of update everybody um, collectively, uh, and we we are striving to do that biweekly. Um, so we're we're hoping to get more help. But from specifically for the state offices, for anyone who wants to get an application out the door quickly, we we will be there for them in in a one on one consulting sort of way, and and hopefully we've made that message clear to them, and maybe this will help make it even clearer. 
Great. I should also note that we're offering office hours to states to discuss their questions in real time. We mm-hmm. haven't published the dates for those yet, but we recognize that FaceTime will be really important as well. Awesome. Well, we will definitely put in our show notes, as I mentioned, the different websites for your two programs where lots of information lives and will continue to be updated, sounds like. Um, And it occurs to me what you just said, Karen, I'm sure is happening more and more. More people are hearing about these rebates. They're excited, whether they're property owners or renters or uh, homeowners, and they want to use them and take advantage of them, but they're not there yet. (laughs) So, uh, you know, probably the advice there would be start getting your plans in order. Think about your home. Think about what's been bugging you or you know is kind of coming to the end of its life. You know, are there cold spots or hot spots in your house where you know it's just really uncomfortable? Start doing your own walkthrough and figuring out, you know, okay, if there's a rebate available, uh, what do I prioritize and how can I, you know, get this going? And start having some conversations with people who may be in your, um, in your community who know more about buildings and energy than you do. This is an iterative process, and I think one of the cool things about this is that it is, uh, as with all home improvements, very unlikely most people are going to do this in one sitting, that it can be done kind of planned and over time with you know a phased approach uh, that makes a lot more sense financially as well as just log- logistically for people. So just start thinking about it from a uh, you know your five year five to ten year home energy plan. <laughs> Yes, and let me add a little bit more on top of that. Um, one thing that we are a little bit worried about is we've heard that some people are are waiting um, to do sometimes emergency upgrades, um, mm. waiting for these programs. And what I would say is, please don't wait. Um, uh, you know, there's there's tax credits available. There's other assistance out there. Um, uh, and so I, I do want to make sure that the people who are in urgent need of, of certain upgrades, um, it is going to take a little bit before these programs are available. And what I would say is there's some very specific language in the legislation around what might be retroactively um, able. The answer is not much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to get that very clear. Like people who buy a heat pump now thinking they're going to get a rebate, um, uh, there, there are some challenges with that. And so I just uh, I, I want to be make sure people are, are thinking about their, their comfort, their safety in their homes um, first. And then yes, the rebates can be coming. And even but even then, thinking and planning, great. Buying before the program is launched, be careful. Sound advice. Very sound read advice. The found, read the fine print. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, and be wary of any contractor who's selling you something that isn't yet, yet there. Uh, a thousand percent. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's going to be a big part of the workforce education piece. Yeah. Uh, and for those who are in perhaps a more dire straits emergency situation, uh, reach out to your area weatherization assistance program. There's more money there uh, through through the bipartisan infrastructure law, and so there's there's an influx of funding to support those in uh, in real need for replacements, as you say. So, um, well, ladies, this has been a really great conversation. So much to learn from you both, and I'm sure you are. Uh, sleeves rolled up and you know in the trenches on a daily basis so I really appreciate you coming to this show and and sharing your knowledge and uh, expertise any final word of advice or or thoughts before we wrap up Um, and Mary I'll start with you thanks Sarah we just want to acknowledge to states that we recognize their application uh, requirements for these programs might could be overwhelming uh, but but I want to reassure folks that the time that they all spend on these applications 
will inform work over the next few years and will really, I think, cement impacts for homeowners and communities and um, bring energy savings and bill savings to everyone in those communities. So the work we, we acknowledge is a lot right now, but I think it will pay dividends in the years and the decades to come. And DOE is here to help. So we hope that folks will reach out with questions, whether you're with a state energy office or a contracting firm or a distributor or a nonprofit. We would love to help you plug into these programs and we'll we'll answer your questions when we receive them. Thank you. So Mary took my first answer. So let me just say plus one, right? We know it's work and we know and we're here to help. So then what I would add on, um, not to pile on the work, but I would say one thing we also want to achieve is we want to um, uh, leave these programs after 10 years with the marketplace in a better place than it was when we started. Um, and so that's about dreaming a little bit bigger uh, and thinking about how we can make sure we can treat a lot of homes with this funding and we will, and we want to learn from those activities and find scalability in the market and places that there's a barrier that, that, you know, by, by putting all of this extra focus, we figure out how to bring down a barrier that's been systematic in the market and, and sort of some of those larger program goals. Um, so, you know, dream about how, if you, if you think there's a barrier, how can we help overcome it? Um, those kind of things. Uh, so it's, again, it's a lot of work and dream big. <laughs> um, and let's see how we can accomplish something together. I like it. Well, you know, big dreams require a little work. So there you go. <laughs> well, ladies, thank you so much. Uh, Mary, thank you. Karen, thank you. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so Thanks, much for Sarah. the opportunity. Yeah, this was great. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Sarah. Well, I've learned a lot and I'm looking forward to seeing my very own state of Utah uh, get their application submitted and um, spreading the word about the new program coming down the pike. Um, Electrify This is an Energy Innovation original podcast. Energy Innovation is a nonpartisan energy policy firm delivering high-quality research and analysis. We help policymakers and regulators pursue a decarbonized energy future. You can find more information about Energy Innovation and the podcast at energyinnovation.org forward slash electrify this. Please continue to subscribe, follow, and give us a five-star review if you like what you're hearing. It helps us expand our reach and our impact. And thanks, as always, to our sound engineer, Rowan Stigner, and the audio in here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Sarah Baldwin, and you're plugged in to Electrify This.